our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. First off, I want to say thank you to all of you. Several of you have told me how you have been praying that powerful prayer, the Lord's Prayer. That is not something I came up with. That is something that God laid upon my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are to be praying that powerful prayer of Jesus Christ. I had told you last week, asked you to continue to do so. Wake up and pray the Lord's Prayer. Just like that line in the song says, though, I do believe that God is, is ready to reclaim his territory of Noonan, Georgia, and this county. And that's why specifically I asked you, when you see the dome of the courthouse, you pray the Lord's Prayer out loud. I go by quite often, and I am praying that Lord's Prayer over and over again. And I believe God has us on a mighty mission. Don't take it lightly, but be obediently uh, following the will of God for us for such a time as this. I want to continue with our, our talking about uh, how we can experience the glory of God, how we can be unified as the body of Christ, how we can grow deeper in our faith and in our relationship in Jesus Christ. And we're going to start by uh, using that piece of scripture that I asked you to read every day. And that, too, was something that, that God really wants us to do. We, we were meditating and praying on John 17 so that we could be of unified mind, but even more than that, unified spirit. Go to John 17, and we will start with uh, the 20th verse. John 17, starting with the 20th verse, Jesus has prayed for himself. He has prayed for his disciples who have worked with him and ministered with him for three years. And then he prayed for us, for all of us who would be believers because of what the disciples had done. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and I will continue to make them known in order to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may be myself may be in them. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God desires victory for you and for me. God desires victory. He doesn't desire defeat for us. He doesn't want us to be in a place of despair or darkness. He wants us to choose to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's guidance. He wants us to make a choice that we will live in a different way so that we can continue to grow deeper in our faith, that we can continue to profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior even when things, circumstances in our lives are far from perfect, especially when our circumstances, our lives are far from perfect. Now, Jesus prayed in this powerful passage that we would all be one, that we would be one in unity, a unified communion with God and with one another, Unified in our purpose. What is our purpose? To worship, praise, and glorify the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. And then finally, to be unified that we would all be one through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God desires us to experience his glory through the way in which the Holy Spirit works. Remember, God's glory is God's heavy presence, that intensity where God manifests himself in powerful ways that really, humanly, logically, we can't figure out. But we experience God's glory, that fullness, when we have surrendered fully to him and his spirit has access to our very spirit. It's spirit-to-spirit connection. Now, I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures, but if you'll tag with me, I think it'll really, really help you understand. So go to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's God's desire for you and for me. That we don't live in, in what the song said, all chained under strongholds of sin and choices that we make, God wants us to live in freedom and newness of life. God desires for us victory. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's how we, you've heard it tossed around probably, transform from glory to glory. It's the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ working within our hearts, within our spirits, so that we can fully experience the glory of God, the presence, the power, the, the deep, intimate relationship of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, last week I touched on it, and this is where I'm, I'm planning to go. There are two obstacles that keep us from experiencing God's glory. The first is ignoring our own pain, ignoring our brokenness, ignoring our woundedness, trying to put up a good front that all is well with the world when deep inside it's far from, from all is well. Ignoring our own pain or that of someone else. That's one obstacle to experiencing the fullness, the power, the presence of God. The second one is unconfessed sin. 
And yes, folks, that's where we need to go today. I just have to tell you that it's probably been 12, 15 years ago. I don't know exactly when it was in my life. But I would hear sermons about confessing sin. And I would think, well, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm pretty good. I'm a good person. And I was ignorant enough to believe that I was not a sinful person. So I just have to name that because I do believe that, that there are those of us who are in that place. That just because um, we're not Catholic, we don't do a daily confession of sin. And that's not ex at all where God wants us. We are sinful, wounded, broken people. We are forgiven, redeemed, and reconciled people by the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. But that doesn't mean that we are perfect people. And once we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, that we, we sin no more. We have to keep... What is that? Okay, thank you. I prayed against distraction, and I will pray against that again in the name of Jesus. You and I need to be about the, the um, what's the word? We need to look inward by, by the Holy Spirit's guidance, and we need to do self-assessment like I talked last week, because I have a sense that all of us are in a place where at times we have unconfessed sin, and that is separating us from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, starting with verse 20. Paul says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness, the very identity that is our identity of God. So you see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, our debt, the debt of sin, is paid in full. The blood of Jesus becomes the complete exchange for our sins. We are, as I said, redeemed, reconciled, righteous. But sometimes we allow sin to creep in. Now, let me give you this example. Think of it like, like this, like this morning, a very cold morning. You are standing by the window. You pull back the curtain, and this beautiful uh, um, beacon of light, sunshine, is, is coming in through that window. And it's streaming through the window. The, the sun begins to warm you, and you just bask in that glow of the sunshine. But then you pull the curtain closed. Hmm. The warmth and the glow that you had experienced stops immediately, doesn't it? Can you picture yourself at your window where the sun comes in? Now, the sun hasn't stopped shining, but something has become between you and the sunshine. The moment you open the curtain, you know this, the sun comes pouring back in, and you bask in the warmth. You bask in, in it. I can just feel it almost, that taking every cell, taking in the nourishment from the sunshine. It's up to you, because the barrier is on the inside. 
It's on the inside of the window. Now, you know this. Unconfessed sin is like that curtain. When we choose to focus on sin, when we choose to just go about our daily business kind of justifying a behavior or a thought or justifying something that we've done this way forever and ever, that becomes a barrier between ourselves and God. We have free will, so it's up to us. We have to pull back that curtain. We have to repent. We have to confess in order for us to have that, that sunshine to come in. Is it making sense to you? Unconfessed sin, or I would say the tendency, the human tendency, is hiding from God. Trying to cover up what we're doing or what we're not doing as if God doesn't already know. We hide from God. We justify our choices. That distances us from God, and it leads us to several things. And I do believe that some of us are experiencing this. The first is spiritual loneliness. I've been there, and I know some of you have been there as well, where you feel like, You are all alone in the world. You're asking God, where are you? Because you feel abandoned by God. Could it be that somewhere deep within or maybe right at the surface, you are dealing with some unconfessed sin? Secondly, it leads to broken fellowship with God and with others. If we have sin that continues to just hang on in our life, then that curtain is closed, and we don't have that open, warm relationship, that intimacy, that personal relationship that Christ is calling us to. And thirdly, it, it leads to a lack of spiritual growth. We have been given the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we are supposed to be in relationship with Christ and with others in such a way that there is evidence of the fruit that is being manifest in the body of Christ, in our community. If we choose to just say, ah, I'm going to go ahead and do this, I'm going to go ahead and do that, I'm choosing to live this way rather than the way God is asking me to live, then we are choosing to have that barrier. We are choosing something less than God wants for us. We are choosing defeat. Now, I want to talk to you, I want to remind you of an Old Testament story. It takes place in the book of Joshua, Chapters 6 and 7, you can read on that this week. But I want to remind you, some of you remember the song, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Well, this is how it went down. God told Joshua and his men to march around the wall of that city once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, God instructed, you see how often things from God don't make any human sense? On the seventh day, God instructed Joshua and his army to march around that wall seven times. And then the priests were supposed to blow these loud blasts on the trumpet. And when they heard that trumpet blast, everybody was supposed to yell, just shout. And God said, when that happens, the wall will come down. 
They did as they were instructed, and yes, the wall collapsed. And Joshua's army could invade Jericho, and as God wanted them to, they were following God's lead. But the problem came, um, Joshua 6, verse 18. When God was giving them instructions, he gave them very specific instructions. He said, keep away from the devoted things. Some translations say accursed things or things of the flesh. The material things, the, the gold and the silver and the robes and the stuff that, that would be very appealing to you. God said, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble to it. What he's saying is that when we have unconfessed sin, we don't often just mess up our own lives. We are taking the body of Christ, the body of believers, to a place of distraction, to a place of destruction, to a place of despair. So it's not just us, but it is affecting the body of Christ. So he said, all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must be included in his treasury. Now, what does that mean, the Lord's treasury? It means that everything that they had, everything that they would, would glean from uh, conquering the city of Jericho needed to be uh, dedicated to God. It belonged to God. Well, what happened, there was a guy named Achan who was so taken by this material stuff that he saw that he chose to do, disobey. He chose to do what God had asked him to do. He, it says, verse, uh, chapter 7, the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to those devoted things. In other words, if we can place ourselves in this story, it would be, what are those things that are most attractive to us? Whether it's material things, whether it's a relationship, whether it's something that we like to do, like we like to get, get our hands dirty in. Those are the devo devoted things, the accursed things. And what happened, Achan chose to just take some of that stuff for his own. He thought it looked good. He thought he deserved it. He was part of the army. Achan's sin led to the suffering of the entire nation of Israel. He faced punishment. He, paid, he faced death in what was called the Valley of Achor. Now, the Valley of Achor means trouble and despair. Because he made a choice to follow his, his temptations and his fleshly human inclinations, he ended up in a place of trouble and despair. Now, we are on this side of the cross, which makes us, I mean, wow, what freedom, what joy we have. Because of Christ crucified, because of the cross, we have full access to God's grace. We have God's full forgiveness. The problem is some of us are choosing to suffer in the valley of Achor. Some of us are choosing to cover up that obstacle between ourselves and God. And we are choosing 
to suffer. Later in the book of Hosea, it is the valley of Achor is referenced. In the book of Hosea chapter 2, it says this, I am now going to allure Israel, God says. That means I'm going to take care of her. God says, I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. That's what I often talk about is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when we are in a place of despair or when we are, are dealing with some sins out of our sin nature rather than our spirit nature, God allows us a time of wilderness, a time of trouble and despair. Sometimes then we feel completely abandoned by God. We don't have the help of brothers and sisters in Christ. We feel all alone, and that's exactly where God can work on us, to minister to us, to minister to our hearts, to our spirits, our very beings. Now, it says this, There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. Do you hear the transformation, the redemption in that? From a valley of despair and trouble to a valley of hope? So let me suggest this to you. I believe that what seems like a valley of trouble can be used by God as a door of hope. What seems like a valley of trouble can be used by God as a door of hope. Now, let me, let me try to, to make sense of what our modern-day valley of Accor may be. It's where we choose to let pride and envy and covetousness and, and defiance or arrogance or anger or bitterness, resentment, rebellion, sexual sins, addiction, greed, gluttony, deceit, even our negativity or wallowing in shame and guilt. That is valley of a core. And if we choose to remain there, then we're not going to experience the victory that God has for us. We're not going to experience the fullness of life. We certainly can't experience more of the glory of God. The valley of Achor for you and for me is that curtain that we are choosing to place between ourselves and God. Well, you know this. 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9 If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, oh, this is such good news. He is faithful and just and he purifies us from all unrighteousness. So do you hear? All we have to do is fess up to the fact that we don't have it all together and that we are doing some things that are not according to God's will for our lives. We admit that we're making mistakes. We admit that we're sinful people. We confess, we repent of that. We ask for his forgiveness and he gives it to us. God's desire is for victory for us, for freedom. I believe that unconfessed sin flat out leads to defeat in our lives. That's where we often experience the hopelessness and the despair 
and the darkness. But I believe also that God doesn't want us to live there. God wants us to live in the joy and the fulfillment in the victory that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's what I think then it would be a, a sequence of events. We start with humble repentance. That leads to an even deeper dependence on the Lord through God's grace by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for us that brings us redemption and reconciliation and that's how we get to the victory. So I just have to ask you, I want you this week and we'll begin today to pray asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you any unconfessed sin. And I'm saying it may not come to the surface until you ask God to reveal it to you. So be intentional with that. And I believe then we will put Jesus in his rightful place. Jesus is to be enthroned above everything else, above everyone in our life. Jesus is Lord and Savior. Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And like I mentioned last week, we have made all kinds of other stuff into God. We have made other stuff priority. And Jesus is saying, just come back to me. So this, this week, it's my prayer that you and I can do some work that we are willing to open our arms wide, we are willing to humble ourselves before God and say, I know, I know I'm far from perfect, but help me see what's keeping me from a closer relationship with you and then give me the courage to do something about it. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Let's pray as the band comes up. Well, God, this wasn't a very comfortable message. Thank you. Thank you for making us uncomfortable. Thank you for the dis-ease we feel. Thank you for, for making it seem like that woman's preaching just at me. Holy Spirit, don't let us leave this place the same as we came in. Reveal to us what we need to deal with. Reveal to us any unconfessed sin that we may have. Jesus, you, you are Lord and Savior. We thank you for your blood that gives us the redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the hope that we have for today, tomorrow, and all of eternity and, and for everlasting life. Forgive us, we pray, for not putting you in your rightful place, Jesus. Forgive us and accept this now as our praise and worship. Be enthroned upon the songs of thousands and thousands of generations. We love you. In the name of Christ, amen.